Welcome to the Experts Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. When we take an honest look at things, there simply has not been much success in dealing with the cocaine problem. Medically and legally, the problem is enormous. It's been estimated that upwards of 30% of all prisoners use cocaine before incarceration. It would likewise be impossible to measure the full extent of the ill effects that cocaine has had on lives, families, jobs, and other aspects of our community. Our pharmaceutical and other treatment tools are generally less than effective. So there has been a vigorous effort to find other interventions to block its use. One such line of thought is the notion of the cocaine vaccine. Joining us today is Dr. Thomas Costin, who is both the chairman of and professor at the Department of Psychiatry at the Baylor College of Medicine in Texas. Thank you, sir, for being with us. My pleasure to be here today. We think generally of a vaccine as having a role in infectious diseases. How is it therefore? And what is the science that brings us to consider a vaccine for substance abuse problems? Could you give us a little background, a little history? Certainly be happy to do that. I think we borrow heavily from infectious diseases approaches in these addiction vaccines. And cocaine vaccine is a prototype for other types of vaccines against nicotine and opiates and methamphetamine and just about every drug of abuse imaginable. The way it works is vaccines are generally produced to large proteins, that is that a a protein from a bacteria or from a virus approaches the immune system and the immune system produces a response to it, which it makes antibodies to try to capture that foreign protein or foreign organism and eliminate it from the body. Drugs of abuse such as cocaine are far too small to provoke an immune response. Small molecules don't do that. So the way that we have essentially fooled the immune system is we've attached the cocaine to a very antigenic protein. The protein is a subunit of cholera toxin. Other types of bacteria-related proteins or toxins could also be used and have a similar result, but we chose cholera for a variety of reasons, some of which was most people in the United States have never been exposed to cholera nor had cholera vaccination, so they are likely to develop a fairly robust response to the cholera. Secondly, the cholera vaccine has been used for well over 25 years without any adverse responses to millions of vaccinations, so it's an extremely good carrier with a very good safety record that we could use. The process by which we make the vaccine is a chemical process where we take the cholera protein, the cholera B toxin, and There are amino acids, of course, making up that protein, and the lysine residues, the lysine amino acids that are on the outside of that protein, can be used to link cocaine to them through a amide linkage, and we use something called succinyl-nor cocaine is the chemical that we're actually attaching to the cholera toxin, and we'll attach perhaps 20 of them to the cholera toxin. When we then inject that cholera toxin with the cocaine attached to it, into people. It is an inactivated toxin, so we don't give them cholera, of course, but we do vaccinate them against two things. We are vaccinating them against cholera, and because the cocaine now looks like part of the cholera molecule, your body also makes antibodies to the cocaine. So you make two types of antibodies, that is that to the cholera and that to the cocaine. To the actual cocaine molecule itself. To the actual cocaine molecule itself. That antibody is something that requires several booster vaccinations in our series. It's five vaccinations altogether in order to get sufficiently high uh, cocaine antibody levels so that it will 
sufficiently bind cocaine so that if you use cocaine with those antibodies there, the antibodies will bind the cocaine, and because the antibodies themselves are very large proteins, the cocaine bound to the antibody can't get out of the blood vessels. It can't get into your heart, it can't get into your brain, it can't get into any other tissues. And the only thing that will happen to it is the cocaine will either be broken down into an inactive metabolite called benzylecanine as it is sitting there in the bloodstream or at the level of the liver, it can be extracted off the antibody by the liver, turned into a different inactive metabolite. And in both cases, those metabolites will be excreted. What's the beauty of the immune system also is that antibodies are very specific so that the benzylecanine itself does not bind to the antibody. So these metabolites that are inactive also are excreted from the body, even though in chemical structure, they look remarkably like the parent compound that is the cocaine. So that is the principle of how it works. The limitations of it are, first off, that you're not making antibodies to cocaine as much as you're making antibodies to cocaine attached to cholera toxin. So these antibodies don't last forever at these high levels. While you will always have some tiny amount of this antibody in you, within two to three months, the level, these very high levels of antibodies will drop down relatively low. At those low levels of antibodies, it's not effective to block cocaine anymore. So what that means is about every two to three months, you'd need a booster vaccination in order to push the antibody levels back up again. Simply using cocaine will not increase the antibody levels. You do have to give the vaccine itself. Do we know how many vaccinations a person can get in a lifetime that is still safe? Do we have data to tell us that? We have very limited data on how many booster vaccinations someone might be able to get. We do have data so far up to six booster vaccinations in humans and that with each subsequent booster, the antibody levels do go up further, although they reach a limit of about 1% to 2% of your total IgG, that is the total immunoglobins in you. You can't go above that limit. Your body just wants to save some IgG for other things like real bacteria. We've gotten very close to that theoretical limit with the existing vaccines. So as far as we are concerned, people probably will need to be vaccinated for at least two years or so because they have a long history of behaviors that have been associated with their cocaine use that need to be addressed. And a blockade for only a couple of months is not likely to be sufficient. In our first large-scale clinical trials, we did vaccinate people for a period that lasted about two and a half months, and during that period, the people who were vaccinated had significantly less cocaine use than the people who were not, who were given a placebo vaccination. However, even within the vaccinated group, there's a very large variation in the amount of antibody made, so that we found 40% of the people produced sufficiently high levels of antibody that they basically could not override the antibody no matter how much cocaine they used. They ran out of money first. Another 40% of or 35% of the patients had sufficient levels of antibody that if they used cocaine once or twice, it would block the effect of the cocaine. But if they put repeated dosages of cocaine in themselves, they could eventually override that blockade. What that means is that people who, in fact, are trying to prevent relapse in themselves. That is, they've stopped using cocaine, but they're very concerned about relapsing because a single dose of cocaine tends to provoke much more craving for more cocaine, that the vaccine could be very useful for them. So we think with the existing vaccine, probably 75% of people who are cocaine abusers could effectively use it. 
but those that needed a full blockade of cocaine's effects that couldn't be overridden, probably only 40% of the cocaine-abusing population, with the current vaccine at least, would be effectively treated. How long does it take after someone gets a vaccine for it to, to start working? When we give the vaccine, it's given about every two weeks, given over a total period of three months. And most people will start to produce sufficient levels of antibodies by about eight weeks to block certainly one to two to three doses of cocaine. By 12 weeks, 12 to 16 weeks are when the peak levels of antibodies are attained. And that's when, in many cases, these 40% of people will have antibody levels that are so high that they simply can't overcome them with the amount of cocaine that they're able to purchase on the street. It raises the question then if it takes a couple of weeks or because it takes a couple of weeks to build up a good antibody response and the ability for it to work, that you've got to have well-motivated people to be part of this process because if they're using cocaine while you're giving an antibody or the vaccine, they may neutralize each other. It may not work. What are you going to do for the five, six, seven weeks until it kicks in? certainly an issue that you have to have people who are sufficiently motivated to either be in some residential or confined setting in which they can be vaccinated and there is no cocaine use at all. If they do use cocaine use while being vaccinated, it certainly will not hurt the increase in the antibody levels so that in most of the cases that we have done this, these have been outpatient studies, what's happened is that people's amount of cocaine use has gradually decreased over that first two months or so as we've continued to vaccinate them. They do, of course, need to continue to show up. The most effective strategy for getting them to come back for the three to four shots they initially need to get is just pay them, essentially a contingency management system where substance abusers are quite responsive to that. That is, if you pay them, they will come back. And you could use that contingency management system to actually get you know, clean urines, that is, them to stop using cocaine. The problem has been that when you discontinue those contingencies, they will return back to their cocaine use. But in this case, you could use the same contingencies, and we have and do, to simply get them to come back for the vaccinations. And it's very effective at that. In our first major study we did, we had retained 85% of the people through the six months of the trial. That's quite good. That's quite good. Yeah, no, it's quite good. Quite a bit better than the typical cocaine study. Oh. Absolutely. As you speak, though, what also comes to mind is that if the um, cocaine is being literally sequestered and doesn't leave the blood vessels, that would also protect the heart from tachycardia and all of the other side effects common to cocaine use. Yes, it does. That's one of the advantages of it. While there is some leakage of the cocaine slowly from the antibody into some organs, it's a very slow leakage. And what that leads to is two things. First of all, if you don't produce any high from the cocaine at all, you can get some hard effects because you're getting some cocaine that will go in there. But the major advantage of cocaine over other drugs of abuse is you do have an enzyme in the bloodstream called cholinesterase that's constantly breaking down the cocaine while it remains in the bloodstream. So in fact, for the unique properties of cocaine, you actually do get quite a bit of cardiac protective effects as well as the blocking the high and blocking the various reinforcing properties of cocaine. Sometimes when people hear about vaccines, they hear about side effects, serum sickness and other such things. Has there been any problem with that or is it for this vaccine series basically the same as for other vaccine series? No, it's different for these vaccines than the vaccines that could produce serum sickness or other kinds of complications. Those 
those types of complications depend upon cross-linking between the antibodies, which means that you have to have a large protein that the antibodies are connecting to. Because cocaine is so small, the antibodies cannot cross-link to each other. And so none of those types of allergic or anaphylactic or other types of immune complex reactions are possible with the cocaine vaccine. How long till this becomes clinically available to the average doctor in the field? How many years are we looking at? If you have a guess, if you have an, uh, an estimation. Well, the, the guess depends upon if I can find a company who will manufacture it. The study that we're doing right now will be the last study that I have any drug available for. It's a multi-site study plan to be finished next 18 to 20 months. If I can't find a company to pick the vaccine up and manufacture it, there won't be any more. That's sad. Yes. I think it's terrible. very sad. Because the spinoffs of this are incredible as well. This could be used for nicotine. It could be used for morphine, perhaps some of the other drugs of abuse. The potential here is enormous. Well, the potential for nicotine has already been recognized, and three major pharmaceutical companies who have already taken this idea and started making a nicotine vaccine because that's a two to three billion dollar market for nicotine. And so Galaxo has one that's going. Um, Novartis has one. There, are, it's it's clear once that this was working for cocaine that this would also work for nicotine, and that's a profitable, non-stigmatized market. So. I suspect in a couple of years you'll be seeing nicotine vaccines out there, but I don't know about any of the other drugs of abuse unless we can find some public-spirited pharmaceutical company. The problem definitely needs to be approached. So let's review this very quickly. What this does is it blocks the ability of the cocaine from being released from the blood system into the brain. It actually, the person doesn't get high from it. They don't get the euphoric effect. Is that is that a fair summary? That's correct. The people who have taken this? Do they generally like it? You said you had an 85% continuation in your study. That's a very high number. Do people come back and say, Doc, this really is different. It really helps me. We've had people come from all kinds of different perspectives. We've had people who, in fact, have said, yes, this is wonderful. How can I continue on it? But we've not been able to continue it due to FDA regulations and lack of supplies. We've also had other people who were quite frankly, I think, frustrated by it, that they couldn't override the blockade, and they were less than motivated for the kind of treatment that we hoped for. And for them, uh, they were relieved when it wore off. We often speak about the reward centers in the brain that are triggered by drug use. If someone is a cocaine user for any length of time and they go on the vaccine and now they're no longer getting the high of the euphoria from it, is there, and I'm going to use the word in a very sloppy manner, but is there a withdrawal from the the cocaine that they are used to taking previously? We didn't find any withdrawal symptoms during the period of the induction onto the vaccine. That is the you know, 12 weeks that they were getting the repeated vaccinations. And what we did note was an initial increase in people's cocaine use and a decrease in their cocaine use. There were no withdrawal symptoms that we detected. And presumably what we were seeing in the patients was what would happen in the ideal detoxification treatment or withdrawal treatment. That is, you're substituting a long-acting way of gradually decreasing the effect of the drug. I mean, that's how we do opiate and alcohol and other types of withdrawal treatments is we gradually take away the effect of the drugs and take away the withdrawal symptoms by a, a gradual tapering, as it were. And in the parallel manner, also begin all the cognitive therapies and everything else that's necessary to rebuild the person's life away from the world of taking drugs. 
precisely. The potential here for this is enormous, and for anybody who has worked in the uh, world of substance abuse and looked at the horrible problems that cocaine produces, the concept of something like the vaccine is, to use the word intriguing, is not strong enough. It's really exciting. We hope it can be revolutionary, actually, in moving it into the primary care areas and making it available to a very wide range of certainly therapeutic interventions, but perhaps even more secondary prevention interventions. I think this is incredibly interesting, and I thank you very much for sharing a very complicated and very biologically oriented notion to a very mixed problem with its biology and its sociology. Joining us today is Dr. Thomas Koston, who is the chairman of and a professor at the Department of Psychiatry at the Baylor College of Medicine in Texas. One of his great interests has been in the development of the cocaine vaccine, and he took us on a tour of it. Thank you very much for joining us, sir. I greatly appreciate it. My pleasure.